Welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Meg Verstraight a clinician from our St. Peter's, Missouri office, and she'll be sharing her insights on eating disorders and the holiday season. So welcome, Meg. Great to have you on. Thanks, Nikki. It's great to be here. You know, I know this can be a very difficult time of year, the holiday season coming up for those struggling with eating disorders. And I recently came across a a statistic from U.S. News & World Report, which states that 30 million people have struggled with eating disorders at some point in their lives. So this eating disorders affect way more people than we, I think we even realize. So it's great that we're having this conversation around this time. I agree, Nikki. And, you know, it's all ages too. And it's all, you know, it's all genders um, included as well. Um, It's not, it's not specific to any one age group or gender. So. And I'm glad you're emphasizing that. That's so point. Such a key point there for sure. It's, you know, And I'm hoping today we can help just, you know, a few people either reach out for help or say, hey, I'm struggling to somebody. Maybe what's the next step? So hopefully that's what today will bring. This is definitely what today is going to bring for sure. So let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So Nikki, I'm a a licensed professional counselor for 19 plus years. Um, I hate to say how long. But um, I've been, my experience has included residential settings, um, hospitals, education support, crisis intervention teams, and then here at Life States at a clinical setting. Um, loving all of it along the way, even though I didn't realize it at certain times, it was a little more active than, you know, running after certain um, kiddos that were maybe elopers in the elopers. school buildings, spectrum kiddos, um, maybe. But all an adventure and brings me to this place full circle for sure. Definitely, definitely, definitely carry with you lots of good experience surrounding this topic. And so as we jump into our conversation, let's first start with having you tell us a little bit more about the different types of eating disorders and their symptoms. Sure, Nikki. So um, classically speaking, I mean, if we were to look at the Karen Carpenter's uh, story way back in the 70s, mm-hmm. I think that was pretty much the biggest um, awareness socially of anorexia nervosa. And, and let me more- say, Karen Carpenter was a, a really prominent singer in the 70s who had died. And that was probably the first time I ever heard. Yes, yeah. I am a child of the 70s. So I do remember Karen Carpenter, even though I was young. But Same. that was probably the first time even, uh, you know, that I had heard about anorexia nervosa. So thank you for bringing her up. Same. And so, so say, you know, being a high performer and things like that, just such a beauty. Yeah. I had all her records, of course, and dating myself as well. Beautiful. No, beautiful voice she had for sure. Yes. You know, so that classically looks more like restricting, over-exercising, um, it, you know, in, in the negative thoughts of self, that, that sort of thing. Um, then, then there might be, um, the bulimia, bulimic type, a binge purge, um, characteristics, which classically it might look more like college students, high school students, athletes. Um, there are a lot of athletes and performers who struggle as well. Um, and, and that's been 
pretty much brought to light in the last probably couple decades where athletes are saying, you know, yeah, I had to make weight or I had to be a certain speed. So therefore I was binging and purging. And then they had to, you know, up their weight maybe for football players or, or for track people, <clears throat> even wrestlers. volleyball. Yeah. Wrestlers. wrestlers are a big one too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Wrestling. And then there's, um, you, you know, there's a variety. There's people, there's the, you know, chewing and spitting. And you get in, you get involved with more um, of the behavioral part of the chewing, but spitting it out, and people are not realizing, hey, maybe I do struggle with this because instead of allowing myself to go ahead and fully taste and be present when I'm eating, um, I'm not. Therefore, I'm going to punish myself by having to get rid of it in any way I can. Got you. So, so those are just a snapshot of some. Of course, there's more according to the DSM five. You know. Um, but yeah, no, I think you did a great overview of the, the ones that are more prominent that we often hear a lot about. So what are some of the core issues um, behind eating disorders? Um, so just kind of backstepping a little bit, you know, the DSM-5, it describes eating disorder. It's a behavior um, with conditions characterized by severe, persistent disturbance in eating behavior and it's associated with distressing emotions and thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, this type of a disorder can affect physical, psychological, and social function. So with that said, Nikki, it's pretty much all encompassing. So core issues might include social anxiety. Um, it might include um, performance-based, like we had just spoken about. It could, it could just be the inner critic you know, thoughts mm -hmm. of self or body dysmorphia, which is where people are looking at, at themselves in a mirror. Maybe um, they don't like particularly the way something is fitting them, or maybe it's just their thoughts are provoking these negative um, self-talk things mm -hmm. to themselves. Um, it could be also be related to trauma, um, need for control. Um, it's a variety, Nikki, and, yeah. and each one is just its own its own journey for sure. Right, right. And so as we tether these symptoms and core issues into the holiday season, which we know could be very triggering as well, okay. we yeah. know that holiday season just can exacerbate these um, these issues. You know, even looking at holiday movies, you know, Hallmark movies, holidays, you know, yeah. I, can you share with us some ways that even you know holiday movies can be very triggering? Of course. So, so one thing that really um, stands out to me Nikki it's a it's like probably my most favorite holiday movie of all uh, I also love him as an actor as well but I mean the movie Elf and I think as um as calm and as playful as that movie is to people who struggle with eating disorders um, there's a scene in the movie where Elf is um, engaging in his fun bowl of spaghetti and M&Ms and chocolate syrup and maple syrup and all, all you know, putting it all in a big bowl. And, the, and then he's basically binging mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the food bowl, but, you know, he's enjoying it. So to somebody who struggles with an eating disorder, that can be very triggering. Mm -hmm. So a scene like that can just be, you know, so triggering that it lasts and it lingers maybe hours, days, weeks, you know. And I have to say, Meg, I, I would never have a thought of that. You know, I, I do recollect that scene. And, you know, I think many people see that scene is, is very funny. It's, um, yeah. But for someone with an eating disorder, 
I can see where that would be very triggering of, of binge eating there. Right. So this is a great example of how, you know, this season can very be very triggering. Can you share with us other examples? Sure. Um, let's see. There might be uh, movies. Re- so another movie possibly could be, um, I'm not going to say the specific movie, but it's a cookie baking contest. Okay. Um, that one's more related to, you know, that is a Hallmark movie. I think it's called Cookie Contest, basically, um, because I do. I love my Hallmark movies. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's about the mixing of the batter and the making uh, cookies and all the happiness that goes with it. But again, somebody who does struggle with a relationship with food mm-hmm. or food aversions, that's going to trigger that. Um other, other movies that may or may not trigger or, um, say, body image movies, you know, that might be related to, again, those in the athletic spotlight mm-hmm. or gymnast or yeah. pe- people with a high profile modeling. Of course, yeah. modeling always, you know, having, um, you know, models for for a reason they they fit the clothes but they are you know they do struggle and yeah. i you know i had worked with those in a previous career so so i do understand what that's like up close and personal but it but it is again that's the type of anorexia you know where the restricting behavior shines through so any anything to do with maybe body hugging things or when people are just not comfortable with who they are their core self is because we are all encompassing mind body and soul right so mm-hmm. to somebody who struggles with body dysmorphia it's like, no, they are more linear and funneled into that. I want to look like this. And that may be a distorted image of self. Do you find some of your clients during this time of year also get more triggered with their eating disorders in in regards to their family dynamics or spending time with their families? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, having to, um, you know, having to engage socially. Uh, food focus gatherings and you know maybe people that haven't seen them in in a while maybe have somebody who's been away at college they've either gained or lost weight or um high school kids you know you haven't seen those relatives in a while and somebody may say a comment seemingly harmless like oh it you know, you should probably eat something or, or I hope we're gonna have some pie or you know some of the comments that are made are not really made with intention to harm the person, but yet the person who's struggling is really going to hold on and linger to that. And that therefore it might trigger a whole chain of events emotionally, like negative self-talk when they're only trying to get through the day, you know, they're trying to engage socially, but it might really encourage um, behaviors such as isolation, um, maybe leaning more to their phone, which is a whole other thing, you know, they could be triggered then by social media. So they're sort of in a hot box, if you will, if you've ever played um, baseball, there's a hot box, you know, you're between two catchers and you're trying to find freedom. So, so they can't really get reprieve. Um, It's always good to have like a point person, um, somebody that you can say, Hey, I'm struggling or just have a code word. If you need to maybe step out, go outside, go onto the porch, you know, it's always good to have like a plan, a plan B and then mm-hmm. come back and, and they can stay fully present. And, you know, it, that's when um, engaging strategies such as like what matters is what mm-hmm. matters is being present. What matters is is just showing up today. So. Right. Right. 
to continue talking a little bit about families here, I know there's a specific treatment perspective, internal family systems or IFS. And I know this is one of the treatment perspectives that a therapist will use when working with clients struggling with eating disorders. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, IFS? Yeah, IFS, it's, it's very, it can be a very successful strategy and a very successful modality, um, working especially maybe with trauma-related um, systems. Um, basically, it's parts work. So in a nutshell, Nikki, it's a very complex, uh, you know, very complex modality. However, it is, I, I do like using it with specific clients. Um, parts of self might include an exile, a manager, or firefighters. And the exiles are those parts of self um, that hold on to the hurt, pain, or shame. They want to be seen and heard, but they also have protector parts, their worries. Um, then they overwhelm the whole family system, if you will. So that's when you see things like uh, painful emotions that have been isolated from the conscious um, for protection of the whole family system there. Mm -hmm. And then looking at that family as its own system. It's like a living, breathing system there. Yeah. Right. So, so that, and it's all part and parcel to the one. So then, then the managers, they run the daily life, right? Those are the people that, Oh, sure. I'll do this. I'll work. Then I'll go to the gym. Then I'll, then I'll meet with this. Then I'll do my service project. Then, you know, those are going to be, those are your managers, you know, they want to stay in control of everything. So control also is another core issue of eating disorder behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, that way I don't have to deal with anything unexpected, which that is a huge trigger, you know, the unexpected plans, such as the holidays, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, we're not going to aunt so-and-so's we're going to go to uncle so-and-so's. So, um, unexpected things happening and inflexibility, you know, that they're just very perfect storms for behavior, Mm -hmm. but getting back to how the managers, you know, they're the judges, um, they control and they, uh, they're the planners they are self-critical. They're connected. They also can be at their core self, compassionate, confident, calm, and creative. Okay. So there's the other side there. That's a, you know, healthy, positive side as well. Yes. You can say Balance. Balance. Right. Key term there. And then we go to the firefighters parts of self. Um, okay. Those are the reactors. Okay. That That's when, um, you know, firefighters are first responders. So if any of those feelings do come up, whether those good or bad, you know, um, sometimes when you are engaging in an IFS session, you might ask that person to have the firefighter step back so then the exile can talk you know, basically, so they can process mm-hmm. what, it, what am I feeling and to stay present enough, like this is the pain of the past, this is trauma of a broken relationship within a family, losing a child, you know, things like that. Um, so those are more reactive parts and they work to put out the fire or the pain, but that mm-hmm. can also be a maladaptive strategy as well. So that's when you see cutting, suicidal attempts, OCD, you know, trying to obsessively, you know, compulsively, I'm sorry, OCD behavior. <laughs> it's gotcha. early, Nikki. It's all good. I hear um, you. You know, that's when you see addiction. You might see increased sexual activity, mm-hmm. constricting in diet. So that's when more an anorectic would be more um, active. Like, okay, I need to really control because I'm starting to feel and I don't like how it feels because it would hurt. Mm-hmm. So um, that you could also see rage, self-harm, and then the binging as well. Got you. So... 
Do you see things with people who struggle with anorexia of, of obviously control and then those who struggle with bulimia at times a lack of control? Is that too simplistic to describe either um, disorder? At times, well, at, t- at times, yeah. It sounds like, you know, sometimes people that binge is because I don't have balance. I don't know how to start. I don't know hunger, hunger fullness cues. There's, there's something we used to do, a pre and a post meal. Um, so pre pre meal, of course, being how are you feeling going into a meal? Post meal then would be how do you feel oh, yeah. after the meal? So then addressing the feelings and then having to really stay present enough to look at those. So you're yeah. right, Nikki. With 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 binging, it's more like I'm out of control. I, I am mm-hmm. just not rich, not not refined enough, not balanced enough there. So okay, all right. No, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So what are some things a specifically a person can do to navigate potential triggers during the holiday season? Yeah. So, so there is some wonderful stuff that can happen. Um, just a few off the top of my head, asking for help. Um, like I think we touched on that just a little bit. Have somebody know that you're struggling. Hey, can you talk to me? Can we just go outside? Can we look at the trees or um, do something that would be more calming? Um, mm-hmm. You can remind yourself of the value of the nutrition for your body. That's always mm-hmm. also helpful. So instead of focusing on the content of your plate, you're looking at it more like I need to fuel my body so my mind, body, and spirit can function the way I'm supposed to. It's a great reframe. Definitely a good reframe. Yeah. Right. Reframing okay. that there. Um, and then engaging in healthy boundaries for sure. Like we talked about with the comments or phrases, food talk. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remind yourself again that it's food is not dangerous, um, rather challenging the feelings and assigning um, maybe new thoughts and behaviors to like, oh, this is kind of fun. I never knew the color of broccoli was so vibrant. I never knew that this cookie icing could be so creamy, you know, so mm-hmm. just just trying to maybe approach fear foods with a different set set of um, internal tactics, if mm-hmm. you will. That's a great tip right there. Right, just observing it in a different way, perceiving it in a different way. Great tip yeah. for sure. I um, and people that like art, you know, people that might approach colors with different sensory skills too. Like, oh wow, that is a pretty color blue. You know, I don't know many blue foods, but I think um, there probably are some blue jellos. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Got so, you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, those are some great tips there, Meg. Any other takeaways you'd like to share on this yeah, topic? Um, Sure. Um, I'm just thinking, Nikki. So there's something I like to try with some of my uh, my clients, and I think it's a very portable exercise. Okay. It's, um, I have so many different ones that we use, but I think this one, this one, yes, we're going to go with the bag. Yeah, exercise. let's go with it. Yeah. Right, so it's called the bag exercise. It's more of a guided imagery. Um, so that would entail like. Okay, what is so I ask questions such as your favorite color, favorite texture, size. So once we get that established, the person in in mind is going to think of something that they love. If it's soft and velour or velvet, if it's corduroy, if it's something crunchy like a taffeta, if it's leather, you know, whatever bag for for different genders, of course, they might choose a different type of of texture just based on what they like. And um colors so when they visualize the color so then they're engaging all parts of sensory skills as well and that we're not just focusing on feelings anymore we're focusing on sense other senses as well so what it feels like what it 
how heavy is it? How soft is it? Um, so Sounds like using all five senses, that, I guess, to engage it, with it. it is, huh? Yeah. And in, and in that sense, Nikki, it's a lot like a grounding. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you might say, do, is there anything in there that smells? Is there an orange in there? You know, is there something that, that you can feel texturally? Is there, you know, anything cold or hot? So once they have that bag, and I'll use, for example, a big blue velvet bag, because course it's just soft and plushy mm-hmm. but if it's heavy Nikki then I have the um, client say what is the heaviest parts of that bag what is in your bag that's heavy somebody might say well I had a fight with my mom so that that's in there well I have um I have to fit in this dress for a choral concert well that's in there those thoughts well, I'm going to meet so-and-so for the first time. I've never met them. That's heavy in there. So then mm-hmm. as we start to maybe talk and process feelings a little bit more, they might take out something when they're ready to take that out so that their bag feels manageable. Oh my gosh, that's a great technique, Meg. Wow, that's really, really good. Oh, wow. So we call that the bag exercise, you know, okay. um, just because it's it's portable. So if somebody, say, is going to someone's house, they might be able to do a quick body scan. Where am yeah. I feeling the anxiety, of course, and then say, okay, what's in my bag today? And then what can I take out and leave? And then maybe if I need to pick it up later, I can pick it up and then bring it to therapy or I can bring it and, and journal about it or whatever. So my gosh, thank you, Meg. Thank you for that tip, that technique. Thank you for all your insights that you shared today <laughs> on, on this topic of eating disorders in the holiday season. And so thank you again. Thanks, Nikki. It was great to be here. I hope it helps helps us uh, understand a little bit more how we can help. I think it definitely did. Okay. And I would also like to thank the team behind the Convos from the Couch podcast, Absolutely. which is Jason Clayton, Chris Kelman, and Juliana Whedon. Take care, everyone. Thank you all.